sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Talk Radio is proud to bring you Investor's Edge with Gary Kulbaum. Straight talk about you and your money. You can reach Gary now at 877-747-EDGE. That's 877-747-3343. Here is your host, Gary Kulbaum. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay, who's out today. Today is Wednesday, October 9th, 2019, and we have a great show for you tonight. I want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, before we jump into the show, just a little housekeeping. As you know, this is a show about you and your money and all points in between. Just as a quick reminder, if you don't get the show in your city, you can go to GaryK.com and listen live or archive. We are live Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Also at GaryK.com, you can follow Gary on Twitter by just pressing the button. His handle is at Gary Kulpom. You can just spell his last name or if you go to Twitter and search it. Uh, also at Gary K, you can subscribe to get Gary's morning notes sent directly to your inbox. See some of his posts that he posts throughout the day. Subscribe to his articles, inquire about his services, and also sign up to his newsletter, which he contributes to, which is convictionleaders.com. Or you can go to GaryK.com and click on the big conviction leaders list. It's a great report. It's a weekly report with intra-week updates depending on market action. Uh, pretty much – Every weekend you get a report, and Wednesday night you get a report, and then you get several other intra-week reports throughout the week with Gary keeping you, you know, just one step ahead of the uh, the, the market. Gives you longs, gives you shorts. It's a great way of just getting inside his head and then seeing the market from his point of view and seeing which stocks and sectors and you know just see his thoughts on a. Uh, I guess from a different point of view, instead of just listening to what he's saying, it's also good for me to read it and also visualize it because there's charts that are posted and uh, you can actually just get a good understanding of how he plays the game and how he sees markets. Now, uh, let's first start with the market wrap. Today was an up day on Wall Street. The major averages ended higher. There were two positive data points that the market focused on. The first one, which was the main one, happened when China said that they're open to a partial U.S. trade deal. The timing of this was not an accident, was not a mistake. We, there's the official talks were a few weeks ago were announced that they'll be in October, and now they're set to begin – well, to be this week and tomorrow or the next day really should be some substantial or substantial conversations. Whether we get a conclusion, partial deal, a full deal, who knows? But right now the market did rally nicely on the fact that, the, that China did say that they're open to a partial deal. A partial deal could also help with sentiment. Remember, a lot of the market this year has rallied. Based on two big things. Number one, the idea that the US-China would reach some kind of a deal. And number two, easy money from the Fed and other central banks. Well, the Fed, you can check that box. They've cut rates twice, and the minutes came out, which was the second big thing today. And the minutes are basically saying we should expect more cuts going forward the, uh, without directly saying it. So that was the other big data point that happened today. But also that going back to the market rallying this year was based on the trade resolution. Hopeful, the market was hopeful that one resolution would happen. And the second thing would be a less aggressive Fed. Remember this time last year, the market was in trouble. It fell hard, about 20% in the fourth quarter of 18, because of the fact that we had a hawkish or a Fed that's tightening and not easing, easing monetary policy. But that quickly turned around on Christmas Eve of last year. And then early into this year, the Fed not only did a 180, but you know went away from that whole tightening and once again embraced that whole easy money stance by cutting rates twice so far with the expectation that more cuts are coming. So that being said, the market had a very nice rally for most of this year off those you know the lows, the Q418 lows. But really, the market's rallied right up into resistance, which were the all-time highs, the record highs, and the market's been trading sideways in a sloppy, you know, I'd say maybe six or seven percent trading range just below the record highs. That being said, so far for the last several months, the 200-day moving average has held and held nicely. That's the next big area of support that the market's looking at. Now, not the exact 200-day. You can go back and look at the lows. It briefly undercut the 200-day because, remember, it's a moving in, you know, a moving average means it moves. Every day, you add another 
little inch to the line, right? So the moving average is just the last X amount of days, closing price divided by that number of days. So the 200-day moving average is the last 200 trading days, closing prices divided by 200. The 50-day is the last 50 days divided by 50. 10 days, last 10 days, so on and so forth. So the 200-day moving average tends to be a longer area of support because of the fact that 200 trading days is a lot. So remember that four weeks in a month, in the average month, and there's five trading days in, in the week. So everyone's like, oh yeah, there's 30 days in a month. Well, hold on a second. There's 20 business days, more or less. So when you have 200 days, think of that, times 10, right? So 10 that's how you can kind of actually just understand it in a calendar perspective because the trading days and business days are different than the actual calendar days. And it's important to keep that in mind. But the fact that the 200-day moving average has held for the major indices has been a somewhat positive sign. And as long as that area holds intermediate long-term, we're still in an uptrend. And also, with all this negativity we've seen, the market's only a few percentage points below its all-time highs. So it's not a bullish call. It's not a bearish call. I'm just stating facts. And I've always, we let you decide. So even with all of this negativity, even with all of the economic slowdown, trade wars, potential, you know, the, all the drama coming out of D.C., the market's only a few percentage points below its all-time high. The action underneath the surface has not been good. But in these choppy environments, stepping back to the market before you even go into the next point, the market hasn't really moved it anywhere for the last year and change, year and a half or so. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Remember back in 2014, 2015, the market had moved sideways into early 16, and then it blasted off. It's very similar to what we're seeing now from my point of view because we had a massive rally the end of 12, 13, and the beginning of 14. Massive rally was the end of the QE3. Well, QE3 was ignited, and it was the last you know, big jolt in the market. There was a fiscal, fiscal cliff, for those of you that remember early 2013, and some other you know, political headlines that were taken away, and boom, there was a big rally on Wall Street, 13, 14, after a long sideways range. The market bottomed in on 9, had a huge rally, 9, 10, moved sideways 11 into 12, so 11 and 12 was released just sideways consolidation after a very strong two-year rally, and then blasted off 13, 14, moved sideways again in 15 into 16, and then blasted off 16, 17, and then topped out early 18, and more or less has moved sideways since. But you had a huge run for 16 and 17, and now we're pausing to digest that move. And the Fed's now cutting or easing. So for me, the fact that we're not down and down a lot more, under the surface, there's a lot of sloppy action, but we're just moving sideways below record high. A few good updates could take us to new all-time highs. A few down days get a lot more defensive. For now, like Gary likes to say, there's a lot of jello moving on the plate. Be very patient. Don't force anything because you can't force things in, in, on Wall Street. And take your time. If this market's going to blast off and we can get another big multi-leg higher, whether it's a resolution of the trade deal or some other catalyst comes on board, You'll have a lot of time to get in, and you'll have a lot of good opportunities, risk-adjusted, obviously, to buy. And Gary's going to tell you all about it. So for now, today was a nice update. The market is flirting with its 50-day moving average. The major indices are trying to get back above that level. Some are, some are not. For the most part, they're just you know right near it without actually defining each individual one for you. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, you can take a look and, and see on any free charting service where the market stands. The small cap Russells are underperforming on a relative basis. They're both, you know, the Russells are down below its 200 and below its 50. And same with the mid caps. So that's the IWM and the MDY. The Russells, the IWM, and the mid caps, the MDY. Those are both underperforming. But meanwhile, the NASDAQ, the Dow, the S&P, right near their 50 days and above their 200. So mixed bag. Tape is mixed. Some stocks underneath the surface are acting well, hitting new highs. Some stocks are basing and just waiting for that next bullish catalyst to come out. Like I would say, the next, you know, more cards come out of the deck. Up next, what I'm going to talk about is timing. You know, in this business and in life in general, I'll go into that a lot more deeper. Timing is exceptionally important. Exceptionally important. People always want things right now. Give it to me right now, like a little child type of a thing. But our world in today's day and age, it's instant, instant gratification. So in the market, you can't force it. And the market profits by definition are a function of time. It doesn't matter your trading strategy. Even if you're an in and out, in and out high frequency trader, you still need some element of time for you to produce that profit. 
There's the music. Up next, I'll talk timing, I'll talk sectors, individual stocks, the market, and a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan, and this is the one and only Investor's Edge. It's time to switch on the integrator units and get the brain cells working. You're listening to... Hey, this promises to be fun. Investor's Edge. The last bastion of quality programming. With Gary Coldbaum. It doesn't get better than this. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices. It was a nice update on Wall Street today. The market rallied after China said that they would reach a partial deal. They're open to a partial deal, which bodes well since the trade talks are officially going to start. Uh, we're not sure what's going to happen. Still, time is obviously of the essence, and the type of deal is of the essence. If a deal gets done, is of the essence as well. But that's all. that was the big news of the day. Plus, we had some encouraging news. The Fed minute saying, hey, guess what? We've got some more rate cuts. We're open to more rate cuts if needed. And that was uh, a net positive spoke yesterday, and it's just more of the same. We know that the Fed is now in an easy money stance, and they're open to expanding their balance sheet, and blah, 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 blah. The big concern for the Fed, minute showed, was that the trade war, the trade you know, back and forth skirmish has been is a big concern, and that may slow things down, and that's not a good, quote-unquote, good sign. So that's been the big takeaway for today. As far as the market is concerned, timing, as I left off talking about, is really a critical component of trading and investing. It doesn't matter your strategy. It doesn't matter your time frame. It doesn't matter what you know you actually trade, the investments themselves, whether you're trading stocks, ETFs, mutual funds, real estate, you're buying and selling businesses. It doesn't make a difference. Timing in life is so important. Think if you're a pilot. And you want to take off. You run down the, you run, you run down the, down the highway. You, you get in the, in the plane. You put the, you know, you back up. You're on the runway. You're going, picking up speed, and you want to take off and fly. Imagine you just lift off the second you just start moving forward without picking up speed. Would the plane take off or not? It's not going to happen. Imagine you're 30,000 feet up in the air. You were grace of whatever you want to call it. You were able to miracle. You're able to take off, and then you're up 30,000 feet. You want to land. You put the landing gear down, and boom, just no dive into the ground. It's not going to work. Slow and steady. Comedy. Imagine you're a comedian, you're up on stage, and all of a sudden you just start rambling off jokes really, really fast, and you get really, really nervous, and you don't let the audience talk, and they don't laugh for anything, and it just goes, 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 goes. It doesn't work. Imagine I'm up here talking to you right now, and all I do is just talk really fast, which I have a tendency to do, by the way, and that's why I do my best to consciously slow down, but there's a lot of content, and I do my best to get through it. But I talk really fast like this, and all I do is talk like this, all the show, and it's very, nobody would listen. Timing is extremely important, and I can go on and on, but I trust my point is made. In markets... And in business, it's the exact same thing. Just like when you want to deliver a joke as a comedian, you want to swing the bat as an at, a baseball player at the exact right time. Imagine you get up to bat, the pitcher's holding the ball in his hand, hasn't even thrown the ball yet, and you swing. Pointless. Hockey, same thing. Basketball, you get the ball, boom, you shoot it. All the way across the court without even dribbling. doesn't work. Even when you get close to the net in basketball or in the ball getting close to you after the pitcher throws in baseball, or, 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 or. In the markets, timing is critical. And some of the best traders, it sounds counterintuitive, longer-term investors, even end traders, they do the opposite. They don't trade. They force themselves to sit. Jesse Livermore, one of the greatest speculators of, of recent, you know, the last hundred years or so, had a great quote. He said he makes his money by sitting, meaning you own a good stock, sit. Don't get shaken out by the normal pullbacks. Because if you do, you run the risk of missing big monster stocks. Big ones. We've all been there. You've owned a stock. You've made some money, or even worse, you lost a little bit of money, and the stock took off and doubled and tripled and quadrupled and well, up tenfold without you. Meanwhile, you're happy because you have a 10 or 20% gain. So knowing when to get in know, is extremely important. Let's just dissect this and keep it even simpler. There's two parts. There's an entry and there's an exit. It doesn't matter what you're investing in. You're buying a stock. You're buying an ETF. You're buying a building. You're buying a house. It doesn't matter. You're buying a business. It doesn't matter. There's an entry point. There's a price you're going to pay for said asset. 
eventually, at some point in time, you're going to want to sell it. You don't have to sell it if you're a long-term investor like Warren Buffett. He'll own Coke forever, Wells Fargo forever, or as long as those stocks, those companies rather, remain attractive from his point of view. So you don't have to quote-unquote sell, but as traders, you're going to want to sell at some point in time. It's very rare to find people, you know, long-term investors that are hold for 50 years, if not longer, never sell. As a trader, when your job is to buy and sell, the expectation you have should be to have a profit. In order to do that, if you're going to buy something, you're going to want to sell it at a higher price. That simple. Remember, after you buy, there's only three things the stock can do. It can go up, down, or sideways. And profits, like I said earlier, are a function of time. So if you buy it and you're so antsy and you just want to sell it right away or a few days later or even a week later, that's fine. You can do that if the stock breaks down. There's nothing wrong with that. When the facts change, you know, Lord Keynes, another great economist, had a great line. He goes, when the facts change, I change. What do you do, sir? There's nothing wrong with selling quickly when there's damage. And I'm not advocating the buy and hold and never sell. No. All I'm trying to do is to open your eyes to the art of timing when you trade stocks, ETFs or mutual funds, or you invest your money in anything. Understand profits are a function of time. Ask yourself, what is the intention? Is it a trade? Is it an investment? Is it long-term, short-term? And when the facts change, be open and be ready to change. In a choppy market like we're in now, it's extremely important to be vigilant and not be, you know, tolerate, not tolerate losses or big losses. Limit those and cut those as fast as possible. Even if you get in in the morning and you have to sell in the afternoon because it hit your stop loss or, 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 or. So be it. There's nothing wrong with that. So remember, timing, both on the entries and exits, is critically important to be successful in this business. And you can't force it. You can't force a trade. If there's nothing to do, learn how to sit and not do anything. And when you're in a stock and it's making good money, sit until there's a reason to exit. And if that right reason happens an hour or even a minute after you buy it, so be it. There's nothing wrong with that. The important thing is to understand how to use time to your advantage. Because time is one of the most critical elements to being successful in this business. And I can't underscore that enough, underline it, highlight it, italics, the whole nine yards, bold, whatever else you want to do. Go look at your last 10 trades, 100 trades. I always print out my trades and winners and losers and separate them and reflect on them, look back at them. Up next, I'll talk a little bit more about that, the post analysis and how to look at the winners, how to study yourself, how to improve. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. Up next, we've got a whole lot more. I'm Adam Sarhan. Thank you very much for being here. You're listening to America is talking Investor's Edge. You gotta be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. With Gary Coltbaum. I'm highly recommended. You're gonna feel better if you talk to him. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay, who's out today. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices. It was an update on Wall Street today. The market rallied nicely thanks to the, uh, the news that came out earlier saying that China might be open to a partial trade deal. And then the minutes of the Fed Reserve, or the Fed came out later in the day and confirmed more or less the, Fed, the easy money from the Fed is here to stay. The Fed's open to cutting more if needed. And the Fed minutes did say that the Fed is concerned about the trade war between the U.S. and China as a possible way of slowing down the economy or you know, hurting the, the economy going forward. So they are focused on that just as everybody else is focused on that as well. Uh, in other news oh, – well, sorry, before we get to other news. And after that, we spoke about timing and the importance of timing. Understand how to take your time with the market, with your winners, and quickly sell and not tolerate losers. Again, take your time with the winners. Learn how to sit with the winners and quickly sell the losers. And it's okay to take losses. There's nothing wrong with that. Change the narrative. Change the dialogue. Early on, when I got started on my journey good over, over 20 years ago, I would get frustrated when I'd lose. Legitimately angry, upset, not happy. Any, enter any other negative emotion you could possibly think of. Had them all. Over time, I realized as I grew up and I matured and I studied hard the whole idea of psychology 
and psychological analysis. For those of you that are unfamiliar, I have a book coming out in the next year or so. Hopefully it'll be available on Barnes Nobles and all over uh, Amazon. It's called Psychological Analysis. It's a third school of thought for markets. There's fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and I developed this third thing called psychological analysis because how many times have you seen a stock with great fundamentals and great technicals go straight down or vice versa? Something was missing. So I realized the more or less the crux of it is you're competing against some of the wealthiest, smartest people in the world. So I realized that there's two things you have to really focus on, your own psyche and the market psyche. Learn how to overcome the same repetitive negative habits. Remember, people are creatures of habits. We all have habits. We have good habits and we have bad habits. Most of us, when it comes to money, have bad habits. Why? Because we were never taught. We never studied it, the good habits. We never consciously dropped our bad habits and consciously adopted good habits when it comes to money. It's one thing to know and not do something. It's a whole other thing to not even know. And most people live in that, that world. They don't even know, but they're doing it. They think it's good and it's actually harmful for them. So I realized price, like Sora says, is a function of perception. Where do market participants perceive value to be going forward? They look to the right of the chart, not the left. They look to the right. And they do it with fundamentals. They do it with technicals. You can go down the list, on and on and on. But the idea here is to really master your own self, your psyche. How do you behave when markets go up? How do you behave when markets go down? So early on, I get upset when I take losses. Then I learned it's inevitable and it's part of the business. No matter who you are, no matter how big you are, no matter how seasoned you are, no matter how good you are, you're going to take losses. It's going to happen. The key here is that smart money learns how to shift that negative association with a loss and get rid of it. Just brush it off like an LLC. You know, taxes and LLC structure. An LLC is an entity, a corporate entity. It's not struck. It's not taxed. It passes through to the members of the LLC. So what the loss is, let it pass right through you. <laughs> this way it doesn't impact you and stop you in your tracks. Because again, there's positive cycles and there's negative cycles. If you get upset, what's your next trade? Probably a revenge trade or an angry trade or a trade from an emotional state that's negative. Where's the outcome going to be? Most likely negative. Not always, but most likely. So on and so forth. And that's what keeps most people in that negative cycle. So I've learned over time, when you learn to expect losses are going to happen, they're part of the, the deal. Just like if you drive and go to work in rush hour traffic, it doesn't make any sense to be angry or frustrated. But most people are. The big lesson there that I learned was how to make rational decisions, not emotional ones. And I talk with investors of all different shapes and sizes. I have a consulting service, a newsletter as well, and I manage my the whole nine yards. And I see this all over the board. Newly guys, seasoned guys, people everywhere in between. People are people are people is what I say. doesn't matter where you are in the world. doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how wealthy you are. doesn't matter anything. People are people are people. When you learn how to consciously change those associations, negative patterns, the positive ones, everything changes. Your perspective on life changes. Your perspective on markets change. You no longer get frustrated in traffic. You no longer get frustrated when you take a loss. It's normal. It happens. Just like a sales guy. Any new sales guy who's 20 years old or gal wants to go out selling, you knock on doors. Most people are going to say no. Look at dating. How many people did you date before you met your spouse or significant other? It's in law. It's just that's how life works. I don't make the laws of nature. I don't make the rules. I just observe them, understand them, and play by them. Same thing with markets. Most trades don't work. And that's okay. That's the beauty of it. That's the other side of it. If you handle your winners right and learn to sit and use time and you quickly cut those losses, you can do extremely well in this business. Extremely well. Now, the next point is the post-analysis. So after you trade, you've, you've, you're going to trade for a certain amount of time. Just look back at the last year, 12 months or even year to date. doesn't make, make a difference. Go to the beginning of the year and just print out all your trades. And what I do is I separate them into two columns, two folders, the win, loss, the win folder and the loss. I do this at the end of every week. This way I keep it, it does maintenance. I don't have to do 500 charts or 50. I don't trade that much, but you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 charts at the end of the year, it's, it's becomes, it's a lot. If I do two, three charts or one chart a week, two charts a week, if that, depending on the market, depending on how often I'm trading and how frequent I'm trading, but I don't trade a lot. In fact, I don't trade often, a handful of trades a month. So I could do it weekly and I always have a win folder and a loss folder. And I go back and I write down when I place a trade, my thoughts, my logic. Is it emotional logic or is it rational logic? 
Smart money logic or dumb money logic? Smart money is a rational one. The emotional one is, is everything else. And then I print out when I exit. What happened? Was it a good exit or was it a bad exit? What changed? Did the fundamental story change? Did there was a market pullback? Was it a macro thing? Was it, what happened? Did I have a gain, break even, or loss? And then I study. I just look. How did I behave? How did I interact with the market? Because remember, it's not my opinion that matters or my actions that matter. Sorry, it's not my opinion that matter. It's my actions that matter. What actually happened on Wall Street and then what actually happened with my decisions? What did I actually do? So it's not my opinions that matter. It's my actions that matter. How did I interact with the market? The market's opinion is what matters. Mine doesn't. The market the stock that you're looking at goes from two to 100. How did I get in? How did I get out? How often did I get in? How often did I get out? Did I capture that move? If not, why? If I did, great. And again, I can't pick the top or bottom. My goal is to capture the bulk of the move. That's the next big thing to keep in mind as well. Nobody can pick the exact top and the exact bottom consistently over time. It's physically impossible. I don't try to do it. My goal is to capture the bulk of the move and be happy with it. You know, they say you don't have to dance with all the pretty girls at the, uh, at the dance. You just need one. Same thing. It's the market. It's the same thing. One or two good stocks can really make your whole year, if not even more than that, if you're positioned properly and you hold on to them. But a lot of these guys are like Broncos. They want to shake you out. There's no ill will there. It's negative somebody's out there to get you. No, just human nature on display over and over and over again. How do you interact with what is actually happening out there? That's the question. And the whole purpose of this whole entire psychological analysis, my whole view on markets, is to improve your actions. And you do that by improving the quality of your decisions. It's that simple. So when I print things out, it's objective. Here are the facts. Here's how I interacted with the market. Here are my actions. Thoughts are good, but actions are what matter. Did I buy? Did I not buy? Fear. Did that get in the way? Was I scared to buy? Was I scared to sell? Did I sell too fast? So on and so forth. Up next, we've got more to talk about. I'm Adam Sarhan. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. You're listening to... What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? One, two, ready, go. Investor's Edge. With Gary Kulpah. And welcome once again to Investor's Edge. I'm Adam Sarhan, in for Gary Kay. In case you're just joining us, we spent the first part of the show going over the major indices, and then we took a nice little dive into the world of psychological analysis, spoke a little bit about timing and how important timing is for the market, spoke about post-analysis, how I print out my trades, and I write down when I trade, when I enter the trade, why I'm entering my logic, and then when I exit, the reasons why. And if it was a win, great, it'll go in the win folder. If it was a loss, that's fine too. It'll go in the loss folder. And then over time, I go back at the end of every month, I analyze the end of every quarter, analyze the last three months, end of every year, analyze the last year. And over time, if you study your actions, you're going to start seeing behavior, set patterns, behavioral tendencies, if you will, good ones and bad ones. And if you can cut off the ones that are bad and do more of the good, you're going to have better results in the following period, the following month, the following quarter, the following year, just like trades. <laughs> it's the same concept. I have been asked, if for those of you that want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at adam at chartyourtrade.com. That's A-D-A-M, at chart, C-H-A-R-T your y-o-u-r trade.com if you want to learn more about psychological analysis or talk further i'm happy to uh, communicate that way to start the conversation and i've had some really good calls gary's got a fantastic audience and you guys are a uh, just big fan so let's put it that way now the last part of the show i want to talk about some sectors so one of the questions you know my whole thing is i've got a, a report that i write is called find leading stocks and website findleadingstocks.com but the idea my whole thing is i focus like a hawk on leading stocks the reason why is because that those are the stocks that are moving. And the way that I define leading stocks is based on percent change. That's it. I don't care. I'm very liberal with my definition. If the company makes money, loses money, anything in between. I've seen lots of companies have he, stocks, have huge runs, and the company loses money. Earnings don't grow. Stocks go through the roof. 
So my first step is I just want to find the strongest of the strong. I'm often asked, how do you play? How do I play the game, right? How do I see markets? What do I do to find winners? Dot, dot, dot. The other benefit of looking for leadership is that in down markets and choppy markets like we're in now, leaders stand out like a sore thumb. It's very easy to see the stocks that refuse to budge on the downside. So what do you think tomorrow, not literally tomorrow, but tomorrow when you get a quote unquote new upswing or a leg higher in the market, which stocks will be the first to blast off and go? The leaders. And while you're in that uptrend, which ones tend to act extremely well? The leaders. If you follow sports, like most people do, the average person can tell you the top three teams in their division or their bracket or their whatever. It doesn't matter what the sport is. So I'll ask you a question. What are the three strongest stocks in the market right now? No penny stocks, over five bucks. Three strongest stocks over 10 bucks. By the way, side note, I don't deal with any penny stocks. People don't know. How do you possibly plan on competing and winning with the largest hedge funds in the world? Have an army of research guys and quantitative algorithms and army of PhDs. All they do all day, every day is just stare at the market and analyze it, dissect it, study it. How can you compete if you don't even know the five strongest stocks in the market? And that's why with the Fine Leading Stock Service, what I do every week is I list them. Here are the 20 strongest stocks in the market and just scan them. The big banks give all of their big clients a focus list, list or a conviction leader list or whatever the case may be. That's why Gary's got his conviction leaders list. That's why I subscribe to it. I recommend everyone do it. It's great. He gives you leaders. He gives you a take on the markets. When you're playing a game, it's really important to understand what's working and what's not. What sectors are in favor and what sectors are not. And if you look at the same small universe of stocks, 10 or 15 or 20 names every day, all year, what happens when your sector is out of favor or your universe is out of favor? So for me, that's why I'm, uh, I'm agnostic to whatever. All I want to know is, is this leading? Yes or no? That's not all I do. I also look for cheap stocks that are undervalued because the market eventually catches up. And with the timing component that I spoke about earlier, they catch off and they blast off. I've got a website called cheapbargainstocks.com. A ton of subscribers. It's 17 bucks a month. I give you a list every Friday of the cheapest stocks in the market. Same thing is true on the downside. What are the cheapest stocks in the market? Most investors are value investors. They want to buy what they call GARP, growth at a reasonable price, undervalued stocks. You're either a value investor or you're a growth investor, one or the other. So if you can't name the five strongest stocks, you name the five cheapest stocks. That's why I put that website together because most people can't. Don't feel bad. Most people can't. But now that you're armed with this knowledge, what do you do about it going forward? And those were some of the big revelations for me that really changed my performance and my whole outlook. And that's what I do all day, every day. I think differently. I ask different questions. We're all looking at the exact same information. The smartest guys in the room, so to speak, just use it better than everybody else. It's that simple. And they challenge themselves intellectually. That's the bottom line. I love, if you play tennis, you want to play with somebody who's five years old and can barely hold a racket or play against somebody who's better than you. Same thing with any sport, same thing with anything, any craft. If you're a painter, you want to paint, actor, same thing. You want to surround yourself with people that are better to constantly improve your own game, improve your talent. So I hope this has been helpful. And just, these are some of the nuggets of wisdom that I've learned that I wish somebody would have shared with me years ago. It's really important, ladies and gentlemen, what you do and what you don't do in this business is all, you know, your success, it's, it's in your control. How you think, do you push yourself? Are you intellectually lazy? Are you not? Oh, there's the music. It's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to get a hold of me, by all means, I'm happy to talk. Gary should be back tomorrow. Thank you very much for being here. It's always a pleasure. This is the one and only Investor's Edge. This clean edit of Investor's Edge created by Stu Lander. Follow me at twitter.com slash S-T-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.